Chapter Eleven of the Woodpeckers by Fanny Hardy Eckstorm. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Woodpecker's Tools, His Bill. There is an old saying: You may know a carpenter by his chips. But though chips are seldom long absent when a woodpecker is about, can we call the woodpecker a carpenter? Is he not both in his works and ways of working? with the one exception of the Californian woodpecker, more of a miner. For the carpenter takes pieces of wood, bit by bit, and joins them together till at last he has built a lofty skeleton or framework for his dwelling, which last of all he covers over and closes in, and the tools he uses are saw and hammer. With these alone he could build his house, though it might be neither very large nor very good. When a carpenter's house is finished, it is neither a cave nor a hole, but a pavilion built in the open air after the model of a spreading tree, which frames a roof with its branches and shingles it with overlapping leaves. There is nothing in the woodpecker's way of building which corresponds to that. Quite different are the miner's methods. In the west, where the barren mountainsides stretch up into snow-clad summits, on the face of slopes, as seamed and gray and vergerless as the wrinkled trunk of an aged oak, I have seen holes where human woodpeckers burrow. The entrance to a mine halfway up a hillside looks strikingly like a woodpecker's hole, and scarcely larger. Nor does the likeness vanish, as we think how in their long tunnels, inside their mountains of gold and iron and silver, the delving miners are picking and prying and picking to lengthen their burrows, just as the woodpeckers peck and pry and peck inside their wooden mountain, the tree trunk. Which shall we call the woodpecker, a carpenter or a miner? What are the miner's tools? Pick and drill, are they not? What are the woodpeckers? The same. Certainly we shall see, if we stop to think, that it is not a chisel that he uses, as we sometimes say. A chisel is a knife driven by blows of a hammer. Like a knife, its effectiveness depends upon the sharpness and length of its cutting edge. But a woodpecker's bill is not a cutting tool. It is a wedge, but a wedge working on a different principle from a knife edge. Look at this one, and observe that, though strong and stout, it is not sharp and has no true cutting edge. It is a tapering, square-ended, flat-sided tool, rather six-sided at the base, and holding its bevel and angles to the tip. The woodpecker's bill is a pick, not a chisel. It is used like a pick, being driven home with a heavy blow and getting its efficiency from its own weight and wedge shape, and from the force with which it is impelled. Watch the downy woodpecker at his work and see what sturdy blows he delivers, pausing after each one to aim and drive home another telling stroke. This is pickaxe work, but sometimes he rattles off a succession of taps so short and quick that they blend together in one continuous drumming, too light and quick to be likened to the ponderous swing of the pickaxe. Now he is drilling. The work of a drill is to cut out a small, deep hole, either by twirling, as in drilling metals, or by tapping, as in drilling stone. The woodpecker drills by the latter method, and there is a curious likeness between his bill and the mason's tools. Anyone who has lived in a granite country knows the deep, round holes that stonemasons make when they split rock. Did you ever wonder why they are as large at the bottom as at the top? 
If you remember the shape of a mason's drill, you will recollect that it looks a little like a stick of homemade molasses candy bitten off when it was just soft enough to stretch a little. The mason's drill is a little round iron rod with a thin flat end, sharpened on the edge and a little pointed in the center. In the flattening of the sides and the width across the tip, its end resembles that of a typical woodpecker's bill. The woodpeckers that drill for grubs, especially the largest, the logcock and the ivory-billed woodpecker, have the tip remarkably flattened. The likeness to the drill does not go farther because the woodpecker's bill is a combination tool, but it is drill-pointed rather than pick-pointed. What is the advantage of this compressed tip? Can the bird pick as well as he could with a sharp point? The bird and the mason reap the same benefit from this form of tool. A sharp-pointed drill would bind in the hole and could neither be driven ahead nor removed without difficulty, but the sharp-edged tool cuts a hole as wide as the instrument. There is, of course, some difference between working in stone and in wood, but the principle is the same. The mason strikes his drill with his hammer and cuts a crease in the stone, then lifts and turns the drill, cutting a crease in another direction. And so by continually changing the direction of the cuts until they radiate from a center like the spokes of a wheel, he finally reduces a little circle of stone to a powder fine enough to be blown out of the hole. In drilling for a grub, the woodpecker must do much the same thing. He wishes to keep his hole small, at the top so as to save work, yet it must be large enough at the bottom to admit the bore when nipped between his mandibles. Therefore he needs an instrument that, like a drill or a chisel, will cut a straight-sided hole. Indeed we might call it a chisel just as well if it were not a double wedge instead of a single wedge, and if it did not move when it is struck instead of being held stationary beneath the blows. When he is digging his house, the woodpecker uses his bill as a pickaxe. When he is digging for grubs, he uses it as a drill. Now some species drill very little, and some a great deal, according to the number of grubs they feed on, but all dig holes to nest in. That is, all use their bills as picks, but only a few employ them as drills. The flickers, for example, seldom drill for grubs their food being picked up on the surface or dug from the earth. Yet they excavate the deepest, roomiest holes made by any woodpeckers of their size. They use their bills effectively as pickaxes, but seldom, very seldom, as drills. And what do we find? No drill point, not a truncate, compressed bill fit for drilling, but a sharper pointed, rounded, curving bill. Notice the ordinary pickaxe and see how much nearer the flicker's bill than the logcocks or the ivory-billed woodpeckers it is. Why is a flicker's bill better for being curved also? Why do the drilling woodpeckers have a perfectly straight bill? We should find by studying the birds and their food that there is a direct relation between the shape of the bill and the amount of drilling a woodpecker does. That the grub-eating or drilling woodpeckers have a straight bill for working in small, deep holes, while the flickers have a curved bill for prying out chips. And we should note that the flicker's bill is most like the ordinary bill of perching birds, while the drilling bill, as typified by the logcocks and the hairy woodpecker's bills, is a more specialized tool, limited to fewer uses, but more effective within its limits. 
There is another detail of the woodpecker's bills which casts light upon their habits. The species that drill most have their nostrils closely covered by little tufts of stiff feathers, scarcely more than bristles, which turn forward over the nostril. The density and the length of these tufts agree very well with the kind of work the woodpecker does. For in the hairy and the downy, which are continually drilling and raising a dust in rotten wood, they are very thick and noticeable, while in the redhead and the sapsucker they show as scarcely more than a few loose bristles, and in the flicker they barely cover the nostril. This seems a plain provision to keep the dust out of the bird's lungs, and we might cite as additional evidence the fact that the only other birds of similar tree-pecking habits, the nuthatches and the chickadees, have their nostrils protected in the same way. But we must always be cautious before drawing inferences of this sort to see what may be said on the other side. When we recollect that the crows and ravens, and many kinds of finches, among other birds, none of which dig in the bark of trees or raise a dust, have their nostrils as completely covered, we see that we have perhaps discovered a use for these nasal tufts, but not the cause of their being there. We must be careful not to mistake cause and accompaniment in our endeavor to explain differences in structure. Let us see what we have learned and how to interpret it. That the woodpecker's bill is a combination of drill and pickaxe. That the shape varies with the use to which it is most commonly put. That the use varies with the food principally eaten, or, what is a step farther back, that the different kinds of food must be sought in different places and by different methods, and therefore require different tools. Therefore the shape of the woodpecker's bill has a direct relation to the kind of food he eats. Please notice that we do not assert that it causes him to eat a certain kind of food, nor that a certain diet may not have affected the shape of the bill, causing it to be what we now see. Both may be at least partially true, but to prove either or both would need profound study, and all that we have observed is that the shape of the woodpecker's bill is adapted to his food, and that it varies with the kind of food he eats, or, to be more exact, with his ways of procuring it. End of chapter 11